everybody, my name is Remy. Welcome to the For the Love podcast with your host, Jen Hatmaker, my mom. She writes books and speaks to crowds, but she mostly loves talking to amazing people on this podcast every week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the show. Guys, we're taking the For the Love podcast on the road. Yes, all the incredible guests and interesting topics that you love on the For the Love podcast will now be part of a live podcast event in a city near you. Woo! And of course, I will be your host and interviewer for the evening. We're going to have different, absolutely top-notch guests in every city. And we'll be taking questions from the audience as well. You do not want to miss this super fun event, which includes my interview with a tip-top author or artist or celebrity that you know and love, guaranteed. And a special message from yours truly to wrap up the night. So to find out about tickets or find out about our VIP ticket experience, fancy, just go to jinhatmaker.com and click the speaking button at the top of the page. And it will take you to all the dates and the guests so you can purchase your tickets for you, for your friends, for everyone that you love. Be sure to visit jinhatmaker.com to get your tickets to the live podcast tour sponsored by BetterHelp. Get them today. See you there. Hey guys, Jen Hatmaker here, your host of the For the Love podcast. Welcome to the show. So glad you're here every week, this week, and forever. I sure hope, and I think I know, that you've been enjoying our For the Love of Back to School series. I definitely have. It's been um, a, a delight, honestly, to bring you the college edition with my two college kids, Gavin and Sydney, the high school edition with my high schoolers, Ben and Caleb, the middle school edition with my middle schooler, Remy, and her best friend, Ella, like a bonus kid, outstanding elementary student from last week. Just fun. Just great. It's great to hear from the kids, you guys. It's great to hear from the students. It's great to hear what they're working through and how smart they are, how capable, how promising. So today we are wrapping up the back to school series with two very remarkable teachers. And that is no joke. Every single day, these women are doing the inspiring, courageous work of leading kids in the classroom, working with students from all walks of life. You'll see what I mean in just a minute. So I am delighted to bring you today the 2017 and the 2018 National Teachers of the Year. Yeah, baby. Let me tell you who they are. So the 2017 teacher of the year is Sydney Chafee. Sydney is a ninth grade humanities teacher at Codman Academy, which is a public charter school near Boston. Okay. So Codman's a very diverse school where 98% of the kids are students of color from all walks of life and a hundred percent of their graduates are accepted to college. So definitely talking about that. Sydney teaches her kids about the history of people who've been oppressed and marginalized specifically, and how those people have fought for justice through all sorts of peaceful means, like 
you know, resistance movements. And, um, she, she asks her students to relate those events to how they can be used today. Such important teaching. Ultimately, she says she wants to teach her kids that they are people who absolutely can use their agency to be a force in the world. So, you know, no shocker while I'm excited here. And then the 2018 teacher of the year is Mandy Manning. Mandy also, yay, 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 teaches English to newly arrived refugee and immigrant students at the Newcomer Center at Ferris High School in Spokane, Washington. She um, draws on her experiences, which we'll talk about, in the Peace Corps, where she was a newcomer, and how to help her students learn to feel welcome and thrive in a new place. And so in her classroom, Mandy uses very experiential projects to help her students process trauma um, and to celebrate their home countries and culture and learn about their new communities. I mean, these are absolute game changers. I am so honored to have them on the show today. Um, if you've been around me for three minutes, you know already how I feel about teachers, all of them. So to be able to have such outstanding, exceptional teachers on the show today um, who are using their expertise and their knowledge, their experience with such important communities and in such important ways, you know that this was just an absolute delight to record. So I am absolutely pleased to share my conversation with National Teachers of the Year for 2017 and 2018, Sydney Chafee and Mandy Manning. So Mandy and Sydney, welcome, welcome, welcome to the For the Love podcast. I cannot tell you how flattered and honored I am to have you both on today. Thank you for your time so very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, this is really fun. Thanks. Okay. If really quickly, if you guys could just... I've, I've introduced you already, but if you could introduce yourself so my listeners can know which voice goes with which teacher, that would be awesome. Okay. So I'm Sydney Chafee and I'm the 2017 National Teacher of the Year. And I'm Mandy Manning, the 2018 National Teacher of the Year. Great. Fabulous. Um, we're going to talk about all of that in spades. Um, I actually used to be a teacher before I do whatever it is that I do now. I taught, um, I've taught fourth grade for a few years and first grade for one. And so I feel incredibly like devoted to the community of teachers and what it is you do. I feel like I understand your life and I understand the pressures and the thrills and the struggles. And so I have been a longtime fan of teachers. And so having two of the nation's literally premier teachers on the show is just really, really special to me. So, okay. Like I said, I filled our listeners in with a little bit about who you are, but I would kind of love to roll it back just a hair. When you two were sitting at desks instead of standing in front of them like you do now. So when you were growing up, I am curious if you knew then that you wanted to be a teacher. Um, Mandy, can we start with you? Sure. So um, I didn't know that I wanted to be a teacher, actually. I, when I was growing up, I loved to play school, but I oh, also yeah. loved to play office. 
I've always had an affinity for school supplies. I always loved going back to school shopping, getting the clothes, getting the supplies, um, all the stuff. So I guess I should have known at that time how much I loved um, being at school and being in the classroom, but I really didn't. I didn't know. I knew I loved my teachers. I knew that there was no other place that I wanted to be in the whole wide world than at school. I was one of those kids that like, I couldn't wait for summer to end so I could go back to school. So yeah, I should have known, but I didn't. That's so great. I didn't either. It's really similar for me. I Mm -hmm. should have realized all the signs and symptoms were there. Um, But I was just, I just wanted to be a writer. Um, Mm. And I would come home from school and I would grab my mom's typewriter and I would type stories. But then what I did with those stories is I took them into school. I made a magazine. Um, I didn't think there was enough stuff for like students to read in my fifth grade classroom. And so I made a magazine. (laughs) Yes. Um, really nerdily entitled Kid Talk. Uh, Whoa, nice. Was, uh, you know, the writer and editor-in-chief was sure. just the person, me, and mm-hmm. um, I also illustrated the front covers. And then there were all these <laughs> other signs, like my mom was a professor and she brought home this like big, thick, spiral-bound grammar workbook okay. one time, and I just did all the exercise in it for fun. Sure. Um, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't figure it out, but I probably should have. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. I also, I'm still in some ways a teacher. I just teach kind of in a different context. Um, but yeah, I was, I, I ran so many classrooms, um, growing up as a kid, I was always the teacher and if need be the principal. Um, and so yeah, same extra workbooks completely identify with, I am curious, um, looking back on your experience, really from beginning to end, be it kinder all the way through, you know, um, through college, who was the teacher that meant the very most to you? Maybe one that you point to and say, I don't know, I want to do what you do. I want to impact students the way you impacted me. Um, Sydney, why don't you start? Yeah. So for me, it has to be my professor, um, Lita Cullen Sizer. She is a professor at Sarah Lawrence College um, and she was my women's history professor. And by the time I met her, I was like starting to figure it out a little bit um, mm-hmm. that maybe this is what I wanted to do. And she I it's hard to describe, but she was the best teacher I've ever had because mm-hmm. she really helped me learn how to think. Um, she helped me learn how to write and she was sort of simultaneously terrifyingly brilliant Hmm. and astute and able to just sort of cut through whatever it was that I was trying to say and get to the point, right? She was so incisive in her thinking and also just such a wonderful, lovely, caring, supportive human being. Um, and that balance is something that I'm always striving for. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not her. I haven't gotten it, but she's definitely the the teacher that I want to be. And when you talk to anyone who's taken classes, they talk about her the same way. She has this, uh, this little, well, actually this big following of people who just, you know, you bring up her name and everyone's like, oh, Lita. So- oh, I love it. What a nice tribute. Oh my gosh. I I hope somebody will send her this podcast so she can hear what you just said. Um, thank you for that. How about you, Mandy? Well, my teacher was Mrs. Baker. She was my seventh grade hmm. 
uh, English language arts teacher. And I still, I, I can't say that I knew I wanted to be a teacher at the time, but she's the teacher that I always think about now that I am a teacher. Mm. Um, so that was a really rough time. You know, middle school is always a rough time, but compounding that I'd moved to a new state. Um, I moved from Washington state down to California to a new city, Sacramento, and I was just starting middle school. So I didn't have any friends. I had this terrible haircut perm thing. I had braces. I mean, you couldn't get more awkward. Yeah, you could not get more awkward. I was riding the school bus for the first time. I mean, how many things, how many things. Um, and I, she was my first period teacher. And she was the first teacher that I walked into her room and from that moment, I still remember it so crystal clear, walking into her classroom and how she greeted me with this huge smile and telling me how happy she was that I was there. And I just knew in that moment that everything was going to be okay. Oh my gosh, that was making my, that's giving me a lump in my throat. It's so dear. She was amazing. And so ever I teach new immigrant and refugee students. And so just that whole idea of feeling welcome from the moment that a kid walks into your classroom is something that I strive to do every single moment in my room and in my classroom. And so um, that's thanks to Miss Baker. She was amazing. Oh, I love to hear about Miss Baker. I have five kids, you guys, and my youngest is in eighth grade. So I have been in seventh grade now five times um, with my own kids. And I've said a thousand times that I, in my experience, I think seventh grade is the hardest year of all the years. I'm 45. And thus far, I could point to seventh grade as my hardest year. And any teacher who can cut through the fog and the fear and make a seventh grade kid feel loved and welcomed, hero status for me. I mean, they're all just so wobbly, like baby giraffes everywhere. And so I I love that you selected that year and that teacher. I hope she hears this too. Thank you for sharing that. Um, obviously, you both took really different paths to the teaching world, Mandy up through the Peace Corps, and then Sydney as a poet. So this is amazing different paths here. So Mandy, I wonder first if you can, for us, trace your path from Peace Corps to Classroom. And then Sydney, can you tell us how a poet finds herself teaching at a charter school? Sure. So I, (laughs) my pathway is just kind of this roundabout way Mm. that I, I got into the classroom because I, never, just like I said, I never saw the signs, (laughs) Mm. even though they were all there. So I, um, my undergraduate degree is in filmmaking. And Mm. so I, I thought for sure I was going to be, you know, a filmmaker. I was going to change the world with my amazing, you know, documentary films. Uh, but then I realized as soon as I graduated, literally walked across the stage and was like, yeah, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't know what to do. And I had a friend who was working in a special education classroom as a paraeducator and he told me that they had a position open and that he really thought that I might enjoy it. And so I applied and I became a paraeducator working specifically with kids in a designed instruction special education classroom. So these are kids with uh, profound, you know, mm. um, profound developmental um, challenges. Mm-hmm. And so I worked for an entire year with these kids and it was so amazing sitting side by side with them. 
Um, and then I also got, had the chance to coach special Olympics basketball that year. And so I was coaching this amazing team of young men who, you know, had the best attitudes and, and worked so hard and I never had to, you know, yell at them or make them run lines. They sure. were right there every day wanting to practice. And so I had this magical year as a paraeducator. Um, and in the Peace Corps, I taught as well. But I still, when I came back from the Peace Corps, I didn't know uh, that teaching was going to be the thing for me, mm. um, mostly because I thought, well, that's pretty heavy lift. I have a degree yeah. in filmmaking. I don't have a degree, you know, a teaching certificate. Um, and I found my way down to Texas because that's where my aunt was living. And she happens to be a theater teacher hmm. and she was running a little theater down there. And so uh, I went down there to help her and she saw me working with kids at the theater camp that summer. And she's like, Mandy, you need to be a teacher. Hmm. And I said, how, how could I possibly be a teacher? I, I don't want to go back and get another bachelor's degree. Yeah. Um, and she goes, well, uh, we have a lot of schools in Texas that need educators. You should just apply. Yeah. And I, and I did, and I got a teaching job teaching theater and speech and debate and communications. Yeah. Um, and from there I just did what I needed to do to get my certification. Yeah. And I've been teaching ever since. And it was the best decision I ever made. Obviously. You made, you picked right. You did the right thing. Um, National Teacher of the Year, I'll say. Uh, okay, Sydney, how about you? Yeah, so you are being generous in saying that I was a poet. Uh, so <laughs> I, I went to college to be a poet, to be a writer. Yeah. And I was in this first year studies class for poetry. And this was all of the students who had signed up who said, I want to be a poet. And this mm. is this is my path. And we were matched with a faculty advisor who's a poet, this wonderful man. He's won a Pulitzer for his poetry. Wow. And so I spend my first year you know, being 18 and writing sort of tortured poems, imagining like, Mandy, I'm going to change the world with sure. my, with my torture. Um, <laughs> Yay. He and I are meeting and we're sort of talking about how the year has gone and what I'm going to do next year. And he, he leans back in his chair. He has this way of like leaning back in his chair very, mm. um, very slowly and deliberately and mm. stretching his arms out and putting them behind his head. Mm. And he says, yeah, you know, I don't think you're meant to be a poet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, dang it. Yeah, I had to agree with him. Like, I was like, no, you're right. I'm meant to be a fiction writer. <laughs> so uh -huh. I spent a few more years uh, writing fiction. And then I had this epiphany mm -hmm. that I really, really, really loved being in school. I loved college. Oh, I yeah. loved picking what I was learning about and learning in this interdisciplinary way and diving really deeply into the things that I wanted to know more about. And so I came hmm. up with this master plan, which was that I would become a college professor at Sarah Lawrence. So I would never have to leave. <laughs> and I would just get to like, do that all the yeah. time. And I would just become one of my professors that I loved and admired so much. And so this brings me into my professor Lita's office and I say, okay, well, I, I've figured it out. I'm going to mm -hmm. just be you. 
And (laughs) she pulls this little book off of her shelf, this, this little blue book. And she says, okay, I want you to read this book and come back next week and, you know, let's talk. So the book is written by her father. Um, It's called Horace's Compromise. And her father is a man named Ted Sizer, who's a very famous um, education reform guy. And her mom is also Nancy Sizer, really famous in the education world. I, of course, had heard nothing of them because I'd studied creative writing and women's history and that's it. Um, But this sets me on this path of like, learning about education and thinking about education. And then she sends me to go do an internship at one of the schools that her father had helped to open. And then I spend that summer working at Summerbridge, uh, mm. now called Breakthrough, with rising seventh graders, who I was terrified of. Sure. Seventh grade, you're right. It's the most awful. Rough. It's <laughs> you know? rough out there. Um, and so I was like, I don't want to go work with those kids. They're going to be mean. Yeah. Um, I don't want to relive seventh grade, but you know, of course what turned out to happen is that I loved those kids. Like these kids are funny. They are amazing. They have like great ideas. And so I went back Hmm. to school in the fall and I said, that's it. I'm going to, I'm going to work with middle schoolers. Like I don't want to be a college professor. (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to go work with, with these kids. Um, and so, yeah, I hadn't studied education. I didn't have a degree in education. Yeah. I had to like figure out how I was going to make this thing work. Um, and I got uh, like a fellowship right after college um, to learn to be a teacher. And, and now I'm a teacher. It's so interesting that both of you took sort of alternative paths into teaching um, where you thought you're going a different direction. I, I hope that's inspiring for some people that are listening um, who maybe didn't come up through the gullet of you know, uh, getting their, their bachelor's in education, but have this real draw potentially to teaching that there are ways in still. Um, and you are two like marvelous examples. One of the best things in life is a good sounding board. I've said it a million times. Nothing is better than a friend who can listen to your brain dump and then cheer you on or throw up red flags, whatever the situation calls for, right? But sometimes we need specialized help, a neutral third party who can look at our situations, at our lives with fresh eyes. And I'm telling you that a wonderful, affordable way to do that is with better help counseling. BetterHelp can connect you to a licensed therapist or counselor online so you can literally get help whenever and wherever you need it. The BetterHelp counselors specialize in a huge variety of needs. Um, Some of those areas you may not even have available to you locally, but here they're available to you anywhere. Thank you to the internet. So BetterHelp has also, you guys, financial aid available to those who qualify, which is great because cost shouldn't prevent someone from getting the help they need. BetterHelp has an amazing offer for my listeners. They are giving you 10% off your first month with the code for the love. Here's what you do. Go to betterhelp.com slash for the love and use the code for the love to get the help you need that you want and you deserve right now. Okay. Back to our show. Um, obviously, 
So you guys teach on two different coasts. Mandy, you're in Spokane, and Sydney, you're in Boston. So I'm, I'd just like to see, of course, I'm in Texas, so I'm kind of middle down. Um, and so I'd like to see how your students are alike and different from each other on opposite ends of the country. And then I'm going to like weigh in here from like the deep south. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you what your kids are enjoying right now, what they're into like what's what are they just so yammering about all the time, and what are they finding the most challenging? So, what what would you say, Sydney? Yeah, um, I mean, Fortnite is still a thing. Gosh, so there's a lot of talk about that in the ninth grade. It's yeah, there is. I I have them do journals every week, and I'll ask them these questions that sort of invite them to think deep thoughts um, or not, because I'll I'll get the range of responses from kids who are, you know, thinking these deep thoughts about life and, you know, they're wondering things and they have all these big questions and ideas and they're grappling. And then, you know, I'll go to the next journal and be a kid like, yeah, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm really thinking a lot about Fortnite and I think I eat this kind of person. And, you know, it's, it's Uh. like, um, but the thing that I am most excited that my kids are excited about right now is we are learning We are relearning the story of Christopher Columbus right now. Mm. Um, We are challenging Mm -hmm. the traditional narrative of Columbus in class. And it's bringing bringing out all of these questions that kids have that are just so fascinating and wonderful to watch them have. So they're asking questions like, well, wait, you know, why – why did Europeans at that time think that they could just go to someone else's land and take it? Or, well – but why, if this if this source that we just read says that that Columbus did this thing, why does this book over here not even mention that? And so, That's good. you know, I just I love watching kids think, and I love mm-hmm. watching kids get excited about thinking, and I love watching kids do that nerdy thing that we do when we are mm-hmm. truly learning, which is like just ask questions and ask questions and ask questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what they're excited about. And so I asked them in their journals, what's an example of justice or injustice uh, happening right now that you can think of? And a number of students wrote that they were they were worried about and they considered it unjust uh, to, to hear about the current administration's policies regarding immigration yes. um, and that they, uh, you know, kids had some really personal connections where they were saying, well, here's what I'm worried about. You know, I'm worried about how this policy or this proposal will impact my family. Mm. I'm, worried, I'm worried that the president doesn't treat people um, who are coming from other places with respect. And so, you know, to read, to read those thoughts from them um, and just wow. remember that as much as they are thinking and worrying about Fortnite, they're also thinking yeah. and worrying about real, real things that are yeah. happening country that are affecting them and um and their communities is i think just always really important for us to remember as adults Mm. i think what this comes down to is you also are trusting your students to be able to confront really really hard history and that they can both understand it and handle it and change it and you know that was of course 
I don't know about for you, but for me, that was never the narrative I was taught um, growing up. It was, everything was incredibly whitewashed, literally. And um, it, it was the work of my adult life to re-understand what actual world history looked like and then certainly U.S. history. And so I really commend you um, for teaching historically accurate things that are hard and trusting your students to do the heavy lifting for it. Well, well done. How about you, Mandy? Well, I teach a very different population of students. So my kids are brand new immigrant and refugee students to our nation. So I'm their first teacher and my classroom is their first classroom here in the United States. Hmm. Um, So, I mean, it's interesting, though, to think about like the 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 social things that they're into, because Mm -hmm. it's actually quite similar yeah. They're teen, they're teenagers. I right. mean, regardless of where they come from, they're teenagers. So they do still talk about Fortnite. Yep. Yep. Um, and they, they are constantly listening to music and, um, that's really important to them. We, I had one student the other day tell me her favorite thing to do was to take selfies. <laughs> um, so, you know, I mean, it's, yep. there's still all of these, you know, things that are going on. They all have phones. They all, yeah. you know, do those types of things. Um, but the challenges are very different for for my kids. And, and part of that is because they're learning to um, live and study in the United States. And so sure. that in and of itself is a huge challenge. And then... Um, I'm glad Sydney mentioned the situation in our nation in terms of immigration. Yeah. Um, I've seen a huge shift in my population. Mm. I, uh, I was concerned about my numbers at the beginning of the year cause I only had four students, but I'm now mm. up to 19, but the difference between what I was seeing previously and what we're seeing now in our programs is that previously about 85% of my kids were refugees mm. and now um, it's totally swapped. Like 15% of my kids are refugees. Wow. Um, and so we're seeing a totally different, uh, circumstance and situation for the kids because their support system is a lot different outside of school than it is. Hmm. If I have majority refugee students, because they have a built-in support system through the system, uh, through the, um, avenues that they are, coming into the nation. Right. Uh, and so there's so much, like I can, I mean, this is a thing that I really um, talk a lot about is immigration and uh, the situation in our nation around incarcerating immigrant youth and right. things like that. And so um, my students' fears and concerns and challenges are very, very, very real right now. Yeah. There's are. increased racism um, and, um, xenophobia in our hallways. So kids are often hearing things like go back to your country. Um, there's, you know, every single day in the news, there's something else about, um, immigrant immigrants rights being removed or infringed upon in very real horrific ways. Um, so all of my families are concerned, even the ones who've been here for a while, um, and have now gained citizenship because mm-hmm. I, of course, stay in contact with majority of my families. Um, and it's not just our immigrant and refugee kids. I, I think that that a lot of a lot of young people live in fear right now. 
Oh, well, um, I can tell you right now, my youngest two kids are adopted. They're Ethiopian. And so they are absolute U.S. citizens through adoption. And uh, in the last two years is the first time that they have been told repeatedly that they are going to be deported, that they can go back to their country, that America doesn't stand for that anymore. And we've had to pull out our paperwork and say, here's your social security card. Here's your, you're a citizen. You cannot, but it's terrifying. It's terrifying to them and feels very real. We're in a, um, our, the majority of our school district is Mexican. And so their classmates are being deported and their parent or their parents are. And so, yeah, I hear you saying this and I, this is exactly our experience right now. This is not imagined. It is not inflated and it is not exaggerated. It's real. And I think having teachers like you, both of you in the system who are, uh, such uh, good hope and reassurance for your students is just maybe more important than ever. Um, let me ask you this. And this is hard to pick. This is like asking, what's your favorite kid? Um, what, maybe even just right now, maybe you could just say currently, what do you find most rewarding about your job right now? Sydney, let's hear from you and then Mandy. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> that's such a hard question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think it's, I think it goes along with what we've just been talking about. It's these moments where you, you know, that you can connect with a young person and you can maybe be the Miss Baker for them, right? You can maybe be someone else in their life saying to them, I'm glad you're here. Um, I see you. I appreciate you. Um, you can, you can be another member of that support system that they have, whatever that support system looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the moments where, and it doesn't always happen, right. But the moments where we actually know that we have played some part of that role in a kid's life, Mm -hmm. um, are, are just incredibly rewarding. It's, it's really rewarding for me to watch my kids have big ideas, um, Mm -hmm. But it's it's also just like so rewarding to see moments where my kids as human beings mm. feel, uh, feel safe and valued and honored and mm. empowered. And I love so- that answer. Yeah. I love that so much. How about you, Mandy? Well, uh, the most rewarding thing for me is just being with kids. Mm. Like, uh, because... And again, I, I, uh, I am in a unique position in my um, classroom, but I have taught several things over the years. You know, I started out as a theater and speech and debate mm-hmm. communications teacher. I've taught English language arts. I've taught in different nations. Um, and then the last eight years, I've been working with brand new immigrant and refugee kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so it's so clear to me that just being in the presence of so much potential hmm. Uh, is is just really incredible to to be able to be right there with kids and who have their entire life in front of them. Yeah, just that energy and that hope, and to see that it doesn't matter what's happening in the world, they still believe that they can achieve anything. Mm. And I I love that. I get so much from that, and I and I think a lot of times you know, when they do move, move forward and they, they, you know, move out to the community and become productive and happy, um, members of, of our community. I, I can't honestly say that 
I had anything to do with it, but I definitely got to be there. And that is uh, like, that's awesome. Oh my gosh. That is so great. And of course you had something to do with it. It'll be so fun to hear the stories that your students, both of you tell about you for decades and the impact that you had on their lives. Obviously, when I travel, which is often, the last thing I really want to worry about is my suitcase. Will my suitcase fit in the overhead bin? Is a wheel going to snap off? I don't have time for that. So never fear because Away, my travel BFF, has literally created the perfect suitcase. So Away suitcases come in two sizes. They come in the carry-on and the bigger carry-on, which is the one I have. It's so light and durable. And bonus, the interior has this compression system that is perfect for us overpackers. Plus, Away suitcases charge anything powered by a USB cord. So you can use your Away suitcase to charge your phone. Hallelujah. Anyway, Away has a great deal for you, for my listeners. You can save $20 off any one of their suitcases by visiting awaytravel.com slash for the love. And then use the promo code for the love during checkout. So one more time, it's awaytravel.com slash for the love and use the code for the love all together at checkout for $20 off your first dreamy suitcase. Oh, you're going to love it. All right, back to our show. I know as a teacher, and I remember this too, that there are just days when you feel like you're simply trying to hold up the sky so it does not come crashing down on your kids, on yourself, on your families. It's a lot. And parts of your work are just hard, um, plain and simple. And education has changed so much in the last 20 years, even 10 years. Um, expectations are different and the, some of the systems are different. And so I'd like to hear from each of you what you consider the most challenging part of your job right now. Whoever wants to take that first can go. Every single student is different. So each year, you know, I start with a different group of kids that have different needs. Um, Um, Yet there's this inflexible system that is trying to dictate what I'm supposed to do for these kids and within this community. Um, And then on top of all of that is this just, it seems like, and I can't say this 400% sure, but it, it seems like there's this unwillingness to really challenge that system uh, so that it can become more flexible or, you know, just change it all together, you know, break it down, rebuild, make a new one that really does have what we need in order to meet the needs of every single kid. And I find that to be really exhausting. It's not the kids. It's not the change, you know, shifting, uh, you know, socioeconomics or the shifting this or the shifting that it's the inflexibility of a system that was created in the 19th century. That's right. That's right. You explained that perfectly. Yeah. I mean, I'll second that answer Uh and, Uh and then I'll just, I'll sort of give you a different. So Mandy, I feel like zoomed us out to look at the system as a whole and think about how that impacts the work that we do every day with kids. I'll give you a more sort of like local thing that's hard right now, which is just 
as a teacher leader, um, as someone who's been at the school for a while and as someone who really wants, um, everybody in the school to like do as well as they can and be as supported as they can. Mm -hmm. I'm just finding it really challenging to keep all the balls in the air. You know, I think, um, I'm trying to be the best possible teacher I can be. And, and I'm also trying to be a good mom and like a happy person. And so sometimes it's just really hard to do all of those things. Sure is. Oh, it's, that feels so relatable to me and, and it's so real. And, uh, there's just never enough slices of the pie. It feels like I, I completely understand really both of what you just said. Um, let me ask you guys this because winning teacher of the year, national teacher of the year, this is just a huge freaking deal. So I am sure that it comes with all kinds of new and interesting and exciting experiences. Obviously, I wonder if you can tell us about some of them. Um, that what has it been like to carry that mantle um, in 2017 and 2018? How about you go first, Sydney? Yeah, um, it has been an incredible experience. I have always taught in the same school. Once I became a teacher, I've always taught the same class. And so my understanding of education was very, um, it was very narrow and very specific. And so becoming teacher of the year meant that I got to really expand my understanding of what education looks like and what all the layers are in this sort of ecosystem of education that surround me and my kids. Um, and that, that's a really incredible experience that Mm. a lot of teachers, um, don't get to have. And so I feel like when something is happening in my school, um, in terms of a policy or even just a situation that we're encountering, I have this perspective of being able to sort of step back and understand that situation, um, in, in context of sort of education as a whole. Um, and then I guess the other thing I'll just throw out is the opportunity to travel and to see what's happening, um, in different States, in different countries and Mm. to learn about what education looks like in different places has been really incredible. Like where was your favorite place to go? Um, I got to visit Palestine and that was really, um, that's really amazing. I learned a lot. I bet. Um, that's amazing trip. Okay. Mandy, you, before any of us um, are presented with or selected as as a teacher of the year, whether it's as a regional teacher of the year uh-huh. or a finalist or a state teacher of the year or ultimately national teacher of the year, prior to any of that, you know, we have this same level of expertise, right? Yeah. But as soon as we're given this title, or I, I hmm. shouldn't say given, but as as soon as we're honored with the title, uh-huh. with the title. All of a sudden, all of that expertise matters. Sure. That people are reaching out. They're, they're wanting to talk to you. They're wanting your opinion on things. Um, and you have an opportunity to speak in front of huge groups of people who uh, affect change in, yeah. our, in, in our system. And so there's all of, all of a sudden, all of this, your words matter. That's and right. so you have to be very careful about how you're speaking and, and what you're speaking to. And so it's this weird position to be in where you haven't changed, but your your title has. Yeah. Um, and so that's changed how people view you. Mm. So that was an, a very interesting transition um, and one that it, it's difficult, but I tried very hard to embrace because I knew that 
you know, this is this, this is this moment in time. And I have this opportunity to say hard things to people who need to hear them. Um, and so I, I tried to capitalize on that and, and um, really, you know, say things that needed to be said and, and yeah. tried to move, move the needle a little bit. And I don't know that, you know, you, you, we, you don't really know your impact, um, but I hope, I know that Sydney made a big impact and I hope that I made a big impact and, um, and just an opportunity to, to do something, to do something big. Um, that I tried to with teeth. I'd made, I created an organization called teachers against child detention to bring educators together, to speak out on behalf of, of immigrant children being incarcerated because they weren't born in the United States. And so, um, we don't often have an opportunity to do that when we're in our classrooms, Yeah, but once, you know, honored with this title, yes, it, it does provide this opportunity that. Now that I'm in my classroom again, I'm like, wow, did that really happen? I'm sure. That was a pretty big <laughs> stage and a pretty big yeah. microphone. All right. And you both used it really, really well, and you should be really proud. I would um, love to hear what each of you wants the world to know right now about your students. I want people to know that my kids are brilliant and powerful and capable of changing the world. And I want people to know that that they're going to change the world. Um, so don't, don't count them out. Yeah. And I want people to know that, um, my kids in particular, they're here in the United States because it's an opportunity at life, plain and simple. It's an opportunity at life. And that every single kid that I've ever come across has the potential to be productive, happy community members. Um, and they might come at it from different, um, from different, in, in different ways, they might take a little longer or, or be faster. There's so many different things, but every single one of them can, every kid, every kid, whether they are born here in the United States, born in another nation, um, have different abilities. Every kid has the potential to, to be amazing. We just have to believe in them. Thank you for saying that. I just love to hear that. We are, um, just particularly with your community, Mandy, we are just getting such consistent messaging right now from the top down on how we are supposed to be um, perceiving immigrants and refugees. And it's almost all negative press. And I just, I just thank you for being a boots on the ground, truthful and honest voice and advocate for um, this community who is just nothing but potential and, and hope in front of them. As we have discussed, you know, being a teacher is just a challenge at the end. Um, I, I don't even think, I don't think most people have even really a full concept of what all the stuff that teachers do, not just the stuff in the classroom, but the billions of things outside of it. Um, evenings, weekends, summer. I mean, it's just never ends. When people used to tell me, oh, well, you're so lucky that you teach because you get three months off a year. I mean, I would just lay on the ground and laugh. I mean, what do you, you don't know anything. Um, and so I would love, I'm always thinking through ways that I and my listeners can show appreciation to the teachers in our lives that we love. How would you advise us what are your suggestions? What's meaningful to you? How can we thank and love and encourage and support our teachers? What is it the stuff that you hope 
to have? Maybe Mandy, you go first. I think every community member, whether they have kids in the education system or, or don't, um, should support funding their schools by voting yes on school levies and school bonds hmm. so that we can have the buildings that we need and we can have everything inside those buildings that we need. Uh, I think uh, community members should go to school board meetings and see what's actually happening. Uh, it's not necessarily about the stuff in, you know, stuff like we people will often want to donate things, but it's not always about stuff. It's, hmm. it's often about presence. Um, and really understanding and visiting and seeing what's going on in school mm. so that um, it's because once you go into a school, it's a little bit of magic mm. um, and it's so much easier to support schools and support teachers. And in the and in the end, by doing so, supporting students and our communities, mm. um, it's so much easier when you actually see it in action. Love it. Love it. How about you, Sydney? Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, mm -hmm. I think that making sure that you know what's happening in, in the school is like a hugely important thing. And um, I think supporting schools, supporting teachers, supporting kids with your with your presence and your time can be incredibly important. Um, mm -hmm. And then I think if you're in a position, if you've got listeners who are in positions to, to help influence decision-making about schools, it's incredibly important to actually know what's happening in those schools. Um, but then I guess the other thing I'll just say is like, if you're a parent and you're just wondering, how do I, like, am I supposed to get a present for the teacher? Mm. <laughs> like those little things, right? Yeah. That is we sometimes wonder. I will say as a teacher, it would mean so much more to me and has meant so much more to me to get an email or a little note from a family member that just says, hey, you yeah. know, like, thanks for thanks for introducing my kid to this book. It meant a uh, lot. Hey, great. just know last night my kid told me about this thing that you were doing in class. And yeah. I think that's really cool. Like, you know, hearing those stories, yeah. um, from from family members is incredibly impactful. It costs you nothing. You don't mm. have to worry about going out and getting us a gift card. So that's just like, yeah, if you're wondering how to show appreciation for um, for your kid's teacher, it's um, it's a lot simpler than you might think. Oh, that's so great. You are saying the God's truth right there. I remember getting really pointed and specific feedback from parents um, I, I, I remember it to this day. It's been 25 years. So I, you, you could not be more correct. So everybody listening, I just go through your mental Rolodex right now. Think about the teachers that have mattered to your kids. I mean, just fire off a little email. It just, this does not have to be fancy. It, that, that means so much, it's so much fuel in the tank and our teachers need fuel in the tank, um, to do the incredible hard work that they are doing every day. Living a healthy life is far more than just losing weight, right? It's about developing habits that help you feel like your strongest, your most confident self. And I found a partner that guides me and cheers me on. And you've heard me talk about it. It's called Noom. Noom is not a diet. It's just this 
healthy and easy to stick to way of life. Noom is based in psychology. So it teaches you why you make the choices that you do, like what's under all of this. Um, Plus they arm you with all these tools to start replacing bad entrenched habits with better ones, just really one baby step at a time. Uh, My personal experience with Noom is that it's all these victories in my life that have nothing to do with the scale. That is why this is working for me. I feel so much better in my mind. I feel so much better in my body. I have more energy. I'm developing this muscle memory for confidence because I'm I'm seeing that it is possible to relearn and to begin making good choices for myself in a habitual way. So it's just a game changer for my mindset and then ultimately for my physical health. You can sign up for your absolutely free trial. So go to Noom. It's N-O-O-M. Noom.com slash for the love. So that is N-O-O-M.com slash for the love. Start making those like small manageable changes this very day. Noom.com slash for the love. Okay, guys, back to our show. Okay, here's what we're gonna do as we wrap it up. These are like kind of rapid fire questions that we asked the students that we also had in this series. It will be interesting to see the difference between the teen sector and the grown up sector. Um, so, Mandy, on all these, we'll start with you, and then Sydney, you chime in next. Just top of your head. Here's the first one. What are you watching? This is hilarious, and I'm a little embarrassed, but nope. I'm I'm watching the Gilmore Girls. <gasps> That's not embarrassing. That just I respect. Mad respect. Where are, have you ever, is this your first time through? Yes. I started watching it because the world gets me down a little bit. Yeah, and Stars Hollow is like totally not real it's world magic. at all. It's absolute magic. I powered through Gilmore Girls two years ago for the first time. I missed it during the first round because I was just busy having babies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somehow I missed the magic of Stars Hollow. I, I think in three months I watched the whole thing. And you know how many episodes there are. That should tell you. My level yeah. of productivity. <laughs> Magic. I approve yeah. of that. I approve. Okay. How about you, Sydney? Well, if you want to just go the completely other okay. end of the spectrum, I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale. Dark. <laughs> so dark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I know, right? That's a lot going on. Um, but you can't tear your eyes away. So I'm watching that also. Okay. Um, back to you, Mandy. Uh, what's on your Spotify playlist? Uh, I actually just watched the movie um, Rocket Man. So mm-hmm. I've been listening to Elton John nonstop. Mm-hmm. Cannot go wrong there. Yeah. Absolutely cannot go wrong. Sydney? Uh, Beyonce's Lemonade album. Oh my gosh. Oh, so you're getting the girl power. You're going straight into girl power. <laughs> yeah. That album makes me want to like run laps around my house. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Mandy, what are you reading right now? Do you have time to read? You don't have time to read. Oh no, I read. I read every night. Okay. Um, and so I'm actually reading two things right now. I'm reading the Justin Cronin Passage trilogy. Okay. Which is about an... Uh, a government experiment gone wrong, of course. Sure. Um, and along The Handmaid's Tale, because The Handmaid's Tale is my favorite book of all time by ah, Margaret Atwood. Yeah. I am her 
sequel just came out last week. Yeah. I immediately got a copy, so I'm reading The Testament. Okay, that's great. How about you, Sydney? I'm also reading two things. So I'm reading Tar Baby by Toni Morrison, and <sighs> I'm reading a book called The Guide for White Women Who Teach Black Boys. Um, which Whoa. is Yeah, it's really, really good. Nice. Okay. By the way, listeners, we will link to all this, everything they are suggesting in case you'd like to take a peek. Um, okay. So, um, Mandy, what is like the most useful app? Like the one that you are so happy that you have most on your phone? Um, it's actually a new app for me and it's Hopper because it helps you find, it helps you find and track and follow, uh, flights and like inexpensive flights. Oh, like yeah. we have a flight that just popped up for $70. Is that what you mean? Yeah, kind of. So you can put in the dates and the location where you're trying to go and it will tell you if you should buy it now or wait or, you know, mm. like, yeah. So it's called Hopper. It's really good. Awesome. I mean, yeah. So, okay. Sydney. Um, I, at the end of every day when I'm trying to turn my brain off, mm. do the New York times crossword. Oh, yes. Um, and like Monday is really great because I just I fly through that thing and I feel so good about myself. Smart. And then to like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I, you know, I'm like we're getting really bogged down. But yeah, that's I would say like it's nothing fancy, but like that's the app that I definitely use every single day. Love it. I'm embedded in a crossword puzzle family, so that's very very real. Um, okay, Mandy, what is your favorite form of social media? Twitter. Ah, oh, yes. Twitter is my favorite because Facebook makes me super depressed. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, but Twitter moves a lot faster. Yeah. Uh, and, and I can really focus on certain topics sometimes, which is really nice. And uh-huh. so I love, I love, I love the speed of Twitter. I love the, uh, brevity of Twitter uh-huh. and I love that it's such a breadth of information and I can dive deep if I want. Otherwise yep. I can just get like a smattering of Great stuff. Point. And I, I like it. Yeah. Great point. How about you, Sydney? Yeah. So I, I sort of hate social media because it mm. just activates my anxiety in yep. like very specific ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would agree that Twitter is my favorite right now. Um, mostly because if I don't want to feel really angry about <laughs> the state of things, I'll just find some ridiculous thread where people yeah. Yeah. are sharing funny gifts and uh-huh. just like follow that forever. Same. Uh, I live for humor on the internet. Everything is such a dumpster fire right now. And so I also love that about Twitter where you can find an incredible thread and it'll just entertain you. Um, okay. How about this? Just if you have to high level it off the top of your head, what's the number one piece of advice you give your students? Go for it. Oh. That's mine. My Mine is go for it because I, uh, we we spend a lot of time in education convincing people they can't do things. Uh, it's like our whole model, right? Deficit mindset where, yeah. we're, where we're expecting kids to come in behind. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're just at different places. Just go for it. You're going to fail. You're going to succeed. So just just go for it and seek opportunities to challenge everything you think about life and about other people. That's perfect. How about you, Sydney? Um, I think... The two things that I say to kids most often, at least in the last few weeks, are trust your instinct because they're always like second guessing their answers on things. But I think trust your instinct is also just really important life advice and be nice. Um, Like with ninth graders, I'm just often like, hey, be nice. Like, Uh remember, be nice, you know. 
I just saw a pre-screening of the Mr. Rogers movie that comes out on Thanksgiving. And that message goes a long way. It's pretty powerful. That's not lightweight stuff. The be nice movement. I'm, I'm thrilled to hear you say that. Here's my last question for you. And girls, we ask every single guest we have in every single series, this question, it's from an author that I love and her name's Barbara Brown Taylor. And um, I love this question and it can be whatever you want it to be. The answers run the gamut from like um, homemade pickles to like the most serious poignant thing you've ever heard. But her question's this, what is saving your life right now? Mandy? What is saving my life right now? You know what? Just being back in the classroom. That's yeah, saving my life right that. now. Mm. Yep. That's great. Sydney? Uh, my daughter. Oh, tell us about her. She's amazing. She just turned five last yeah. week. Um, and she's just incredible. Yeah. Five is magic. Is she in kinder? No, she missed the cutoff. Uh-huh. Uh, Next but- year? Yeah, she's in preschool and she's just amazing and she's funny. And uh, when we get off of this call, I'm going to yep. go upstairs and hear from her what the joke of the day was <laughs> at school. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just, you know, when the when the day is a lot, which it often is, yep. I know that at the end of that day, um, she's at home and we're going to get silly. I love it. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it, how much I respect and admire you both. Um, you both teach in such incredibly important communities, um, and what you are building and investing into your students. It's just, your legacy is going to extend for decades and decades and decades. It's, it's just a real honor to have met you both. And so thank you for what you do. Thank you for the work that you are doing. You touched on so many important themes that I want my listeners to hear so much. And, um, I'm just, I'm really proud. I'm proud of both of you. And so thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. And it was so, it was, I have to say one of the highlights was that I got to be on here with Sydney. Yeah. That was going to happen until I checked my email and I was like, Uh, yeah. Fun. So yeah. Super fun. Yeah. Thanks. Two of the greats, you guys, Sydney and Mandy. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Aren't they amazing? Just absolutely amazing. There is a real reason these two women were selected as the greatest in the nation um, for the last two years. I mean, I'm so flattered that they were both on. I'm, I loved that conversation and I, I loved, I love the way that they advocate for their students and I just, I wish I could duplicate 1000 of these teachers just, and disperse them into all of our communities. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. And I really hope that you walked away remembering to just send a quick email to the teachers that are impacting your kids or the ones that impacted you or are impacting you now, if you're a student. Uh, My, my kids talked a lot about the teachers that matter to them too. And it's just, this is such good and important work at such formative time in their lives. And so it's just, it's my privilege to get to highlight these women and the work that they do. And so Sydney and Mandy, so, so, so grateful. Um, this wraps up our back to school series guys, big fun coming up next week. I'm going to tell you right now what we're doing. We're moving into a new series called 
for the love of podcasts, podcasts that you know and love, hosts that you know and love, um, some of them that are going to be new to you and I cannot wait to introduce you, but this is a fun one, guys. We're going to dig deep into this genre that we have all fallen madly for and talk about what makes us tick and why we have our shows and what we love about them and what we're trying to bring to our audiences. And so For the Love of Podcasts is up next. You are not going to want to miss it. So subscribe right this very minute to the For the Love Podcast and it will just show up for you. And you're going to love it, you guys. These interviews are amazing. So, okay, on behalf of my producer, Laura, and her entire team, and my assistant, Amanda, we are delighted to bring you this show week in, week out. It's our great joy. See you next week. That's it for today's show. Hope you enjoyed this chat. Be sure to subscribe to my mom's podcast and give it a thumbs up rating if you like it. From the whole Hatmaker family, I hope you have a great week and see you next time.